0: I know in this segment uh, you want to mention some things about Rachel and how she ties in to all of this. Actually, going to talk about Rachel for several segments. She is a fascinating character. She is to the Jews, but she is tied in with mourning in uh, an unusual sort of way. She's just uh, she on one side. She's one of the most beloved and honored patriarch women in Israel. And she has one of the most unusual stories, and one you probably don't even know her ending and the prophetic connection to the birth of Jesus, our Messiah, and connections to the exile in Babylon and the endless mourning of her people. It's just a, a fascinating story. And now, I, I should say that part of this is, is, is things that the Jews don't like to talk about because, again, it points some pictures at, at somebody that they just really treasure. But the weeping prophet Jeremiah, who's, of course, from Lamentations, uh, in his other book called Jeremiah, prophesies of Rachel's legacy 1,300 years after she dies. She stays that uh, important. This is what the Lord says. A voice is heard in Ramah, mourning and great weeping. Rachel, weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more this is what the Lord says. Restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord. They will return from the land of the enemy. So there is hope for your descendants, declares the Lord. Your children will return to their own land. I have surely heard Ephraim's moaning. Now, she's been dead 1,300 years when he writes that. And and oddly enough, in 650 years in the future, around uh, the time of Jesus, that verse pops up again. What a fascinating story. And you might wonder, what in the world? Well, after that 600 years had passed in the first part of the prophecy, you have a horrific genocide following the birth of Jesus. And here's what it says in Matthew 2. Herod put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its districts from two years old and under. According to the time which he had determined from the wise men, then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Rama, lamentation, weeping, great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now, you know, probably some of the story. You know, Jacob, it was a sweet little love story. Jake, uh, Jacob asked for her hand, and her, her father Laban agreed. It says, So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Now that... Is a sweet love story. But, of course, it got interesting. That father, Laban, not a very good guy. He slips her older sister, Leah, under the hoopah, and in the morning tells Jacob, oh, by the way, you want Rachel? you got to work seven more years. Now, he gives her to him immediately, so he ends up with two wives, but he has to work 14 years. But amazingly, he does. His love for her is that great. But now let me skip to the end of the story because you know the beginning. But this is the unusual story. If you visit the the cave of Machpelah, which is called the Cave of the Patriarchs in in Hebron, that holds the bodies of four couples. Number one, it's rumored to be Adam and Eve are said to be buried in the cave. Now, of course, you'll find Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Rebekah. And there's a Midrash that says whoever is in turn there has multiple rewards. Which brings us to the final couple. So you know who it should be, right? It should be Jacob and Rachel. Unfortunately, it's not. It's Rachel and Leah. They're all buried in Hebron, but not Rachel. The beloved of Jacob. <laughs> and it's a big deal where you're buried. Even Joseph made his kids promise to bring his bones 460 miles from Egypt to be buried in Shechem, where he'd been sold into slavery by his brothers. It was a place his father Jacob had dug a well, where Abram had met with God, and where Moses would speak blessing curses over Israel. Graves were a big deal. So what about Rachel, that beloved girl? Jacob worked a total of 14 years to marry. She's buried right where she died, giving birth to Benjamin alongside a road, by Bethlehem Ephrata, fourteen miles from Hebron. She's her bones are never brought. There's a story there, right? After Jacob worked twenty years for her father, it's time for their family to leave, and they did during the night. But while packing, Rachel stole the precious household idols that were her father's. Laban chases them, catches them, and confronts them. And now you've surely gone because you greatly long for your father's house, he tells him. But why did you steal my gods? Jacob knew nothing about it, and he said, With whomever you find your gods, they shall not live. Well, it turns out, Rachel, who was probably pregnant at the time, and therefore unclean to the Jews, had put the idols in her camel's saddle and sat on them. And she said to her father, I cannot rise before you for the manner of women is with me. And he searched everywhere else, but did not find the household idols. Well, the idols in question were called an abomination. They're called teraphim. They were first created by the very idolatrous and evil Canaanites. They were mummified heads of their ancestors. They were and covered in gold, and they were considered magic. So people would talk to them, and supposedly they would talk back. So essentially, they were inhabited by demons. And sadly, they were not uncommon. David's wife, uh, Michal, the daughter of King Saul, had them. Now, while her lies and treachery worked, she hadn't counted on that curse from Jacob. With whomever you find your gods, they shall not live. At this point, Jacob wrestles with God, meets Esau, reconciles with him. God changes Jacob's name to Israel, and then they arrive at their destination. And apparently, Jacob finds the various idols. It says, God said to Jacob, Arise, go to Bethel. And Jacob said to his household and all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves. Change your garments. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in his hands, and the earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under a tarabit tree which was by Shechem. Then they journeyed from Bethel, and when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel labored in childbirth, and she had hard labor. And so it was, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Ben-Oni, son of my sorrow. But his father called him Benjamin, son of my right hand. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem, and Jacob set a pillar on her grave. So... Jacob wrestled with a pre-incarnate Jesus who changed his name and heart so much that he gave his fortune to Esau. But Rachel was still hoping to hear from dead skulls. Her lonely grave, not far from where her destiny was in Hebron, is a reminder to those who hold on to their father's sins that they'll forfeit the inheritance that God has set apart for them. One of the more disturbing things about the story is that Rachel who obsessed over these talking dead skulls was venerated after she died by many Jews. In the same way Mary is venerated to many Catholics. People started praying to Rachel and when the Jews were taken into captivity they stacked stones on her grave for her to remember them and pray for them. And they still do that on various graves in remembrance. It's not out of any kind of weird. It's just uh, a prayer thing. It's an unusual story but that's just the beginning. What about Rachel's tomb? It's one of the places I always go when we go to Israel is so significant I'll tell you why next